you're just going to call this one The Purge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Welcome back, guys. Yeah. Good song choice, Nick. I know. That's we're really good. Yeah. We didn't know it was coming, but this like ties into so many of the stories. That's <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Multidimensional. You get everything in this podcast. <laughs> um, I, 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 I don't even, I don't even know. Like we were, we were trying to debrief right before we started this, and there's so many fucking things to talk about. It's crazy. So many stories that we came to the point. We said, "Well, if we can talk healthcare, that's fine." But there's so many other big stories, and if we don't get to that, it's okay <laughs> but too. But did you see Insane. with the Russians today? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. So if either of you guys are looking for work, there's an opening at the FBI. Hey man, this I'm this all could for be it. a nice step up. <laughs> they seem to don't care about your qualifications. Right. <clears throat> oh. We um, we will have to talk later on about potential successors. I saw a list earlier today. Oh, it was terrifying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It'll it'll be interesting to say the least. So, might as well start with Comey. Let's do Comey's it. Comey's out. Yeah, Comey's out. So Comey, uh, director of the FBI, uh, fired by President Donald Trump three years into a ten-year term. Um, kind of a kind of a big deal. It was a bomb that dropped yesterday. I, yeah, I, I saw that. I was sitting at work and I out loud just went, "Holy shit!" <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Well, we were texting, and I think Phil, you were like, "No, no." <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the thing to, I think the the thing to keep in mind is that like, if you get rid of all of the surrounding stuff, right? If you get rid of all the Russia accusations and the Flynn and all of that, just firing the FBI director is in and of itself a big thing, right? And and yes. so then when you drop it in the midst of all of the other crap going on, it becomes huge. And you couldn't have done it in a more unprofessional way. It was pretty bad. So, a yeah. Trumpian. It was. A, it was a very Trumpian way. It no, was. The only way it would have been worse is if he physically spit on the the termination notice. <laughs> so he sends formal notice to the FBI. Did you guys see who delivered it? It was his bodyguard. His former right? bodyguard. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't matter because Comey's out in L.A. Right. and he sees it over a TV and assumes what? like this has to be a joke. While he's speaking to FBI employees, right? He was giving a speech to yes. at, a, at a field office. Yeah. When the news breaks. Yeah. So yeah, he doesn't hear directly to no phone call, and then so today in the press conference, uh, Huckabee was saying, "Well, you know, you follow real protocol, which is sending a letter. That's the way you really do it." I mean, and it, all of it just adds to this perception that there's got to be something else going on. I mean, if if there's nothing to Russia, he couldn't have played this worse. Uh, I, it's the fact that, and we'll go into all the individual details, probably pretty, um, pretty, uh, something. That I lost exhaustively? Exhaustively. <laughs> Speaking of exhausted. Yeah. Um, but the fact that this is coming a, a barely, what, it was a day prior that he was asking for additional resources for the Russia investigation. Comey was, Yes. Just come on, man! Like you gotta, you gotta know these things, right? Asking for additional resources, and if I understand correctly, to to investigate the connections to the Trump right. campaign, it Correct. wasn't just right. more Russia stuff. It right. was to see whether these connections were there. No, but it's only because of how he handled the uh, the, the Clinton email scandal. <laughs> yes, yeah. finally, yeah, no. like the worst excuse. <laughs> so, there's so like we've already touched on like there's there's like ten minute conversations to be had about all of these different points <laughs> that we've already just touched on. <laughs> What? So, <laughs> where do we start with this? I mean, so 
and I, I think we should start by talking about like putting this in historical context of some sort, right? That, yes. That only one FBI director has ever been fired prior to this, mm -hmm. right? And that was Bill Clinton firing uh, William Sessions. Is that his name? Sessions. Yes. Um, and that came, that was even controversial, but that came after a like multi-year, multiple administration investigation into the, the guy was committing like massive ethics, you know, had right. all sorts of ethics issues, was like using FBI money to pay for a limousine to drive him around and wasn't declaring stuff on taxes and had the FBI build a security gate. Like now it was like pretty get behind. He was clearly, like, yeah, he was, he had committed major ethics violations. And even then the Clinton administration like took several months because they were really pushing him to produce documentation so they didn't have to fire him. Right. Right. So he, the only time a, a, an FBI head has ever been fired was based on like these pretty serious ethical mis, you know, misdeeds. Lots of administrations have had problems with FBI, um, the head of the FBI, the FBI in general, but none of them have taken this step other than Trump, right? And and, and the Clinton thing. So so it's a big deal just in and of just in and of itself, right? Firing the FBI. Right. So well, go ahead. I mean, let's let's play devil's advocate. Not that I agree at all with what has occurred, but what is what are the things that they could potentially point to that any sort of uh, standing rules or regulations that he violated that would have led to this besides his handling of the email scandal with hillary well i think that would have been grounds enough and that was realistically just because he overstepped his bounds and that was something that was supposed to be related or related to the attorney general well it's it well there's a couple things there yes uh one is the fba is not supposed to tip its hand about an investigation mm -hmm. and he did so uh right. regarding clinton's emails because he felt that it was important to do so and I, I really as we talked about in previous weeks i think he was thinking about his own preservation but he's not supposed to do that but that clearly helped trump i mean the, the fact that he revealed the investigation mm -hmm. and the reopening of the Clinton investigation might have led to Trump's election. So that, I mean, it, he's not going to genuinely yeah. be upset about that. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are several things that Comey has done. Like he, he's certainly open to criticism, right? The way yeah. he handled the Hillary thing was problematic, whether it was enough to fire him or not. That's a whole nother debate, but it was problematic. Like this week in his testimony before Congress, he misstated the nature of the, the Anthony Weiner, Laptop. The FBI had to issue a statement to correct yes. this this testimony that he had made because mm -hmm. he had overstated the number of emails that Huma Abedin had forwarded to Anthony Weiner or whatever. So he there were mistakes that were were made, right? And and some people, you know, Democrats were certainly critical of him. Some not by no means all, but some had called for his resignation or whatever. Mm -hmm. The the thing that this is like this is again where politics is complex, right? And it's possible to both think that that Comey screwed up and maybe even should have resigned or deserved to be fired. But that and the fact that Trump doing this yes. is like an awful sort of corrupt move. They can they can both exist in the same universe, right? Well, yeah. And it speaks to where we're at because we have no faith that he genuinely fired him for legitimate reasons. No, absolutely not. You know, and the insight is so Politico had a great story where they said he'd for weeks he'd been ranting about Comey and these Russian investigations at the TV. Yeah, so angry yeah, and looking for looking for a reason to fire him. And that's that's what this was about. He wanted that Russian investigation to go away. My guess is he figured Democrats would love this because they hated Comey. Republicans would be okay with firing him as well. And 
they ju- it was amateur hour. They should yeah, have known there was going to be pushback. Bad. They assumed this was going to be easy. And they were totally caught off guard yesterday. Nobody was on TV. Nobody was explaining this. As this exploded, and then you send Kelly Kellyanne Conway out at like 8.30 to say like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's... <laughs> All it was, is well. No, she didn't say it was okay. She said... <laughs> Well, she did say it was okay, but she basically said that it's unacceptable to question the president. <laughs> the president, like that's that's not our place. Like he has the right to do this, and we shouldn't question him. No. Which is kneel before Zod. Yeah, crazy. Yes. Assuming mm-hmm. let's let's assume, and I don't know if this is true, but let's assume there's nothing to the Russian connection. That while Russia was trying to intervene in the elections, there were no real connections or cooperation with the Trump administration, you couldn't handle this in a worse way that would right. give the appearance that there are. Right? Oh, yeah. this, this screams of Nixonian, let's make this problem go away. Yeah. And well, then, and, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. Uh, you have reports that Obama mentioned something about Flynn on top yes. of that, uh, as well as um, Sally Yates. Yes. Like, it just all of it is so... And I've tried to defend the administration to some degree as as much as I possibly can. You've done a good job. I've tried. Yeah. And now I just go, you guys are just fucking dumb. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it's, I, I, it's not policy anymore. It's no. just incompetence. Yeah. Um, well, so uh, what you were saying about this is like the worst move you could. So it's it's bad from a PR standard standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's it seems like it's just bad. Like in in general. Like so now. There's a lot of stuff that Comey couldn't talk about because he was FBI director. And now that he's fired, he still can't talk about, um, you know, anything classified. He can't talk about like investigative sort of stuff. But any of like the bureaucratic stuff, meetings that were had, pressure that was put on him, he's free to talk about any of that. And he's pissed. right? Like like there's no and and all the FBI employees who worked for him, if they liked him at all, or if they, if they perceive this as trying to squash an investigation, they're going to leak like hell. Oh yeah. Like I, I just don't like, this is just, it's, it's, that's a great point because they were, you know, there was a piece that came out today that said that, you know, in general, FBI agents tend to be more conservative. That's, you know, that's the general uh, tilt, but that they're livid about this. Like how it happened, the fact that it was done while he was, you know, in LA on TV and they said, just expect leaks, right? That this is going to come. And so it's a terrible decision because now if there is information about him, it's, it's. I would guess over the next couple of weeks we're going to have more and more to talk about. I, they've already invited him to uh, the, to testify at yep. uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee. On correct? Tuesday. On yep. Tuesday. He, was suppo- he was supposed to testify tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He will no longer testify tomorrow. The new acting head of the FBI will testify instead. But the, the Senate Intelligence Committee, I guess has invited Comey now to come on Tuesday. So that will be fascinating. You're you're right, Phil. You can't be more pissed off than he is right now because that had to be so humiliating to find out on TV. And and Comey's a guy who, you get the sense he wanted to stay in this position for a while. I mean, he's a political actor. Um, Yeah, no, he's, if he's got information that he can release at this point, he's going to tear it in Trump. Yeah. And the thing that I've seen or the stuff that I've read about Comey is that, like, whether you like him or not, um, he's very frank. Like, he's going to say what he thinks. And that's partly what has gotten him in trouble and what makes people, you know, what what has led some people to bristle at the things he said. But if you pair that with like if he's if he's like uh, takes his job seriously 
is very frank about situation. And like you talked about last week, right, if, if his motivation for the Hillary Clinton stuff was really about protecting the FBI and all this other stuff, like he's a man with nothing to lose. Yep. Right. Like this, this is like, he's. Yeah, no man. It, it, could, it could get ugly. <laughs> well, this is—I mean—that's why the comparisons you were talking about history, Phil, going back to Nixon, and there's lots of conversation about when Nixon was trying to fire the special prosecutor, Archibald Cox, and that's a great story as well because he goes to the attorney general and says, "Fire this guy." That guy says no. Nixon fires him, goes to the acting attorney general. He says no. He fires him. Right? He just goes, in, and then ultimately it was Robert Bork who ended up firing Archibald Cox. You know. <laughs> And, and that was the beginning of the end. That yeah. was like for Nixon and, and Watergate, right? And I read an article. I don't know. I don't know if this is true or not. But I saw an article that referenced that as the only time. Like this is the only only the second time that a president has fired someone who was the head of an investigation into the president, yes. right? So in the previous one was Nixon firing Archibald Cox, right? So it doesn't beyond the firing of the <laughs> FBI director. He's firing an FBI director who is investigating. investigating the president. Like it just it just reeks of so impropriety bad. and corruption and all sorts of other things. Like w again, if he's not if he's not guilty of any of this stuff, he couldn't have played it worse. Yes, it's terrible. The, the Nixon, I don't know if you saw this, the Nixon Library, a presidential library yesterday, tweeted out <laughs> saying that even Nixon didn't fire the, the, the head of the FBI. Yeah, <laughs> right. Just like, so when the Nixon Presidential Library says, we want to distance ourselves from Trump a little bit. <laughs> oh, you, know? Yeah. you know, So Nick, you brought up Sally Yates, who also testified, uh, as well as Obama. This, mm. this links more to uh, Michael Flynn. But both of them reaching out to the Trump administration. Mm. Obama... In, when Obama was president and, and Trump came to visit, Obama had a conversation with him, said, get rid of this guy. Not right. because of the Russia stuff, but that he's incompetent and said, you should not hire this guy. Well, he had been part of the Obama administration previously. Right. And they had fired And had been fired. Fired right, right. because of his handling. They, they promoted him and it was a disaster. Right. Conspiracy theories and all this other stuff that we now know well about Mike Flynn. Right, yeah. Mike Flynn and his even more conspiratorial son, who is like yeah. literally out there. Yeah. Uh, and then Sally Yates, once some of this information about Flynn, Flynn reached her, has a special meeting at the White House with the Office of Legal Counsel and says, like, this guy's been lying, like, he's compromised, he could potentially be blackmailed. Mm -hmm. And then eight, it wasn't until 18 days later when the Washington Post broke the story that Trump ultimately fires him. So, I, you, so you just... It's an interesting contrast that I saw somebody bring up as well, that so the Trump administration, Trump is told that Mike Flynn is potentially compromised, that he has lied to the vice president, yes. and that the Russians could potentially use that against him. It takes him 18 days to decide to fire him, right? Yes. In this case, a memo comes from the assistant attorney general, and within like 12 yes. hours, the FBI director is fired, right? <laughs> yes. So one has been told that that um, <laughs> that uh, you you might have a Russian agent, and it takes them almost three weeks to fire him. You get a memo from the assistant uh, attorney general saying, I don't like the way he handled Hillary Clinton months ago, and yes. boom, he's done. <laughs> it's insane. And, and Trump's response, like Trump's I'm going to fire you letter, was like written by a third grader. It was pretty bad. You know, he's like, and you told me three times that I was not under investigation. Like, no, like somebody should edit that. Get out the eraser. Don't let him write letters. I mean, realistically, but, it probably is someone who's doing it, and they're right. terrible at it. Right. Yes. Who? Who around Trump is going to do a better? Like, that's the thing. He's he doesn't know anything about governing and he surrounded himself with people who don't know anything about governing. Right. This is what we've right, like. Right. 
this is how it's supposed to work. Oh. <laughs> this was their vision. <laughs> it is, and it's just it's all crashing around them. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I, this what he did yesterday with Comey makes this Russian story not go away for for weeks. Right? This will this will be the story. Oh yeah, yeah, for months, years. Yeah. Well, I, like it's, this, this, yeah, it's completely thrown Congress into chaos too. Oh, like it, they're they're I, I've never seen, and they're they're horrible on a good day. Yeah, they're just all over the place now. Yeah, they hate them now. You know, Comey is you know this beacon of of freedom and democracy integrity. and integrity. <laughs> you know, the same ones who wanted to string them up a Ooh. few months ago with the Hillary thing. They just go, what the. Right. Like, and how do you process this? Yeah. And vice versa. The ones who said he was right. a beacon of freedom like a month ago are now saying, yep, he probably should have gone. Trump <laughs> was blowing kisses to him in January. Right. That's not right. No. No, he shouldn't do that. Even um, because he like, over. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, that's what, that's what makes the whole, the whole, that, that's the other thing. The, the rhetoric used to fire him is just so unbelievable, right? Like, I, it's just every, amateur tw- every, hour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, I, I always reference somebody. I should start taking notes of who I find these things from. Some <laughs> guy. Somebody referenced that uh, it may have been. So I listened early. This is. I'll throw a shout out to another podcast. The the foreign policy um, editors roundtable, which you got me started on several months ago, Bill. Oh, it's good. Came out with a special episode today just about Comey, and it's excellent. It's really good. It, you should. It may have been there that they referenced that. Um, uh, that Trump has criticized Comey before, but every criticism that he has made publicly of Comey up to this point has been a criticism that he was too soft on Hillary Clinton, right. that he should have done, he should have been more harsh on her. And so then to come out and basically fire him because he was too harsh on Hillary <laughs> yes. Clinton, it's it's just, but, but this is like where, like it doesn't, like truth doesn't matter, right? Like no. facts don't matter anymore. People just, whatever you say, Along partisan lines, like, you know, if if a Republican says it, Republicans are going to go with it. And if a Democrat says it, Democrats are going to go with it. And, like, like think critically, people. I don't know. <laughs> I think that facade's starting to crack, though. I, I Like, this is the first time that I've seen it where there's a significant amount of Republican pushback on what he's done. Especially, uh, you know, last night on all the, the cable news programs, it was coming from George George W. Bush, mm-hmm. uh, like lawyers and Office of Legal Counsel. They had like the whole team out who were saying like, "This is Nixon. It's terrible. The House should begin with impeachment but, proceedings." You know, it, yeah. It, yeah, I will. You're so, right that there's there, not from actual members of Congress, but from individuals right. who are removed and connected with the Republicans. And they're thinking about their longevity. Like, this is awful. Right. But that that's the test. So, I mean, let's talk about this for a second. Like, yeah. is, it, is anything going to happen? Right? Because I, I see this as, uh, like, of all the things that have happened with Trump, and I, you, as, in case you weren't aware, I'm not a huge Trump fan. No. <laughs> that, was, that, was that clear? <laughs> well, why are you wearing that Make America Great hat? <laughs> <laughs> but despite all of that stuff, like, this is the most alarming thing, I think, that he's he's done in terms of, like, obstruction of justice and potential, like, ramifications. Like, of all the things that he could do this or, or has done, this is the thing that comes closest to, like, an easy, like, I could see this stepping into impeachment, right? Having said that, I don't, like, I'm... I have no confidence that 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 anything will actually occur. So a republic, there have been a lot of people who have called for special prosecutors. Every one of them has been a Democrat. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been, I think I saw the New York Times published a list of all of the House and Senate responses today, and it was really interesting. There are three Republicans who have called for an independent investigation, not a special prosecutor, but like a, essentially a Senate 
a, a special Senate committee just to investigate this. Mm-hmm. Every other Republican, there were a lot, and they were making the rounds on Twitter yesterday, but they all essentially expressed concern or doubts or that they were worried or troubled, but that's it, right? Like the question is, does it go beyond that, right? Or, or is it just that this is troubling? Uh, the question isn't, is it troubling? The question is, are they going to do anything about it, right? And I, I don't, the partisanship is so strong at this point that I don't, I don't necessarily have a whole lot of faith that Senate or House Republicans are actually going to act on it. I, I think we're, we're just at the start of this fucking shit bucket process. That's, of, oh, that's, that's a good phrase. Yeah, I, yeah that's right. <laughs> um, I, I think it's going to be telling when Comey testifies, uh, yep. what the actual investigation finds out. Um, and if, if he keeps, well, first and foremost, if he keeps uh, scheduling appointments with Russian diplomats, you know, a day after <laughs> oh. things like this happen. Speaking of PR disasters. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Oh. So, so those maybe didn't see this. The Russian foreign minister, Lavrov, was literally at the White House today. Uh, and and in the question session, or was it, it was just the picture session, where somebody, I'm guessing Andrea Mitchell, Mitchell yelled out, like, did you see Comey was fired? You know, it's like, <laughs> what? What? The question was, will the, will, Comey, will the firing of Comey have an effect on your talks today. And yeah, Lavrov's response was, they fired comedy? <laughs> what? This is shocking. Total sarcasm. Oh, like, yes. Totally. Which props to him for that. Yeah. Nevertheless. You know, <clears throat> Nick, if you go back to, no. again, and if we think I'll Nixon. No, no, no. no it, it was, it, you know, if you think about the partisanship and Nixon, it was, it wasn't until like some, another piece of evidence fell. Like the right. tapes were released that mm-hmm. finally Republicans said, gotta go. And I wonder if it wouldn't be the same thing here. There's not enough yet. Right. But if we're all you need is one It's gonna be one piece yeah. of solid evidence. Right. That suggest and I think it has to be more than Flynn. How many pieces Flynn. of so- how many pieces of evidence do you need though, right? Uh, but like, if you you, you say got... a piece of solid evidence, but we've had all sorts of testimony like there's been lots of solid like you not necessarily tying it to Trump. A, but no, right, well, you gotta find a piece that ties it to him. Yes, that's right. No, it's cause even the, all the Flynn stuff, and I think Flynn will probably go to jail and think about what he's done for a while. But it's got to it's got to go all the way to Trump. But here's the here's the thing though, Flynn like was a compromised paid agent of a foreign government. Yes. And Trump was told this, right? Yeah. We have been this has come out in testimony that Trump was told by multiple people that he's compromised, that he's lying to people, and Trump did nothing about it. So he, like he it fired like, him. He was gone. He, he was he fired busy. Him eighteen days later 18 after days. it became it takes impossible me eighteen days to respond to an email sometimes. <laughs> Give him a fucking break. So my my question. Uh, this is where I should have brushed on the up on this before with the podcast. But when Nixon was ousted, though, Democrats controlled Congress, though, as well. So you have a different dynamic here yes. at play than you had then as well. So it didn't it, it didn't hinge on Republicans turning on their own president with Nixon. But they did. But they, this, they turned quickly, though, as soon as that like, you know, that one once the tapes were released and you heard the tapes, they were like, all right, we're done. Yeah. And I think that's probably what it will take. It will be something if 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 it can be shown, Phil, that Trump knew about all of the Flynn connections and approved of them, or it, it, it takes something more than what we have right now. Yeah, which is back to the whole bad handling of this. Yeah. It's that uh, you you could you could you can still make an argument that Trump is just unaware of all of this. It, it takes a hell of a lot of coincidences for him to be unaware. Yes. But but the actions that he took yesterday 
cast a, a like a certain a, a certain um i don't know coloring to to that right yes. like yes. If, if he didn't know and all of this then then his desperation to sort of squash this investigation seems really weird or or the cover-up right so or if he right. knows like let's say let's say he didn't know that flynn did something or i mean there's a whole like you said there's a whole host of people that had connections with russia but then he finds out about that and then the firing of comey was to cover that up like oh my goodness something is coming so let's get rid of him. Then he's done as well. Yeah, yeah. I, it's. I mean, I, we. I, I do think we are living through another historical moment, and it's, sure. it's hard to appreciate how significant it is. But the, at the end of the day, I think it is really big. This. Yeah. yeah people, it is. I. I don't know what the outcome. You know, I. We have no way of knowing what the outcome is going to be at this point. But yeah, it feels like uh, we are in a Watergate. Yeah moment right whether or not it's going to end like watergate did or, or not like this is this is big yeah well and so i'm trying to think which it was somebody from the george w bush administration last night that was talking about this and he was saying in some ways to your earlier point phil there's more here than watergate yeah. you know watergate was some just ragtag you know break-in yeah this is legit connection potentially with, with a foreign country. government yeah that's trying to that's trying to impact and influence our elections and he said you know that's that makes Watergate seem like nothing. Yeah. Can we start impeachment hearings? The podcast, or is it? We have to. No, we don't have that. Yeah, I. Can, I yeah, we, we we can absolutely do that. I would like to do a nationwide recall for all of Congress before we get there. <laughs> yes, but I, yes, I'm with you. Yes, yes. Yeah. I I have to say it's been incredibly disheartening to me that the like. I, even even like as jaded as I am about Congress, like the reactions of people to this, like some have been encouraging. There have been a number of uh, Republican congressmen who have men and women who have I don't know about women. The ones I've seen have been men um, who have been critical of of Trump um, and who a couple who have even called for independent investigations and whatnot. But then there are others like Lindsey Graham, who every now and then I feel like has sort of redeemed himself. And then like Lindsey Graham was like, Oh, it made ter- perfect sense. And like, right. like Mitch McConnell, like Mitch McConnell oh, has just been the like, turtle. God. He's the worst. No, he came out today. He's like, I don't think there's, I think he deserved to be fired. Right. No, right. no need yeah. for a special prosecutor. Time to get back to business. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Nick, you were mentioning this, this, this kills all of the legislative agenda that, I mean, it's gone tax, tax reform. Matter. There's no way Democrats are going to play ball. And it's, it slows everything down. It right. was just a, terrible amateur hour decision by trump which only makes sense if the fbi was like getting close to making like big big announcements or like was like making real progress if 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 they weren't doing that this is totally insane like the only reason it would make sense to fire him is if you're like fearing for going to jail he clearly had some sort of there was some sort of inkling that there was more to the story because he was asking for additional resources so once that comes out, you know there's got to be something. Like you don't you don't do that. It, I, all right, we may be giving Trump too much credit. It might just be that he's just been angry at Comey. Yeah. it's like really? time time to fire him. Did you hear his press conference or he commented on it today? He's like he did a bad job. He was he was a bad <laughs> was a FBI, bad man, a bad FBI director. <laughs> Trump Trump sounded like an insane man on Twitter today. Like <laughs> yes, he did just this just morning. ranting. Yes, he's. If for whatever reason he does get impeached or something, he's he's just gonna be a lunatic. He's oh, gonna yeah. lose his fucking mind. Yes. Even more than he already has. But 
I thought this is totally speaking of Trump insanity. This is totally unrelated, but I find I, I sent you this article, Bill. I should send it to you, Nick, as well. There was an article that I saw this week that talked about cited a number of interviews with Trump about his views on health and like Trump thinks that exercise is bad for you. Like he has this he has this notion or he has fully like come around to this belief that you are born with a limited amount of energy and that if you exercise, <laughs> you will die sooner. <laughs> well, you can't release too many phaetons. Uh, or is it phaetons? Whatever the Scientology <laughs> yes. thing is. Yeah. Yes. Oh. There's, there there's our weekly siren. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it's something. I mean, you think about whether one agrees or disagrees with Obama, but you have to. Uh, he was at least a intellectual. Like, he he didn't believe in like limited amount of energy. You're know? such an elitist. Yes. <laughs> no, I'd even say like George W. Bush wouldn't have believed that you right. had a certain amount of right. energy. Mm-hmm. No, right. it, it it is. It's just. It's bizarre. It it really is. It's yeah. bizarre. It's childish. I, like I. It's going to be real hard to defend them on anything past this point. There, yeah. There's so many, there's so many elements of it. Like it's it's impossible. It's not impossible, but it's like hard to like actually touch on every aspect because there's uh, there's also so the the reports out. There's numerous reports, and this is I think partly due to the fact that the story is still developing and people are still reporting on it. But so several stories that are related to this that have came out. I, Jake Tapper, I guess, had a source in the FBI that basically said that. Comey was fired because he refused to squash the investigation. That Trump was pressuring him to basically shut down the investigation and he wouldn't. And there was another reason to it as well. I don't remember if it maybe it had to do with that. I don't, I don't, anyway, if that's the case, that is like textbook um, obstruction of justice, right? Yes, so that's, right. that's bad. There's also the whole story with the associate, the assistant uh, attorney general that's been involved in this, who's been in office for two weeks. Like, Oh my God, I, I can't. There are a lot of jobs that I wouldn't want to do, but that, that is one of them that I like. Yeah. So he's in office for less for like two weeks. He was just confirmed, and he's the one who writes this memo, basically saying that Comey should be fired. There are reports that Trump went to him and basically pressured him to write. Whether that's true or not, still is being sort of sorted out because the Trump administration has denied this, but supposedly. He was told to come up with justification for firing Comey, right? Which brings it all into like that brings all sorts of doubts into it. And then uh, in the list of like how this was handled badly, why the hell did Jeff Sessions get involved, right? Oh, so uh, right, right. Jeff Sessions, who has supposedly recused himself, also wrote this memo saying that he agreed with the the assistant attorney general that he should be fired. That step, yeah. Seems totally unnecessary, right? You already have a memo from the assistant attorney general. Just cite that in your firing. By bringing Jeff Sessions into it, who has recused himself from it, you only bring in more charges of corruption and, like, further doubt on the the Justice Department. I don't... I mean, this is a thing. And the reports that I saw said most people within the White House had no idea what this Mm -hmm. was coming, except for the top, top aides and staffers. And it, it continuously sounds like Trump only talks to about three or four people in the administration and yep. does not know how to delegate responsibility or find information if it doesn't come through those people. Yeah. Which is a fucking... Why am I hearing that noise? Is that going my computer? No. no. Um, coming from um, a completely different standpoint from what I had said when he first took office. He's going to 
delegate responsibilities no. and you know he's a businessman and knows how to do that he doesn't he doesn't know anything his his, his circle of trust is fairly small right and that's it's it's hurting him because he, there are a lot of really smart people in government who he's not he's not using where the hell is steve bannon in all of this by the way has anyone this, heard anything? This feels Bannon-esque, doesn't it? I mean, that, <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. this is the kind of craziness. And, and the quickness of how, how all this played out. So suddenly you have two letters from the, the Attorney General, the Assistant Attorney General, then Trump has a, the ability to put together three paragraphs quickly, like all in a day. No, like this was, like yeah. you said, this was planned. It came from the top and then was executed. Now, here's the other thing. Who does he go to? Who does he, Phil, you were talking about before the podcast. Oh, yeah. The list, he's, yeah. now he's, Paints it himself in a corner. He can't go with somebody who's not going to continue this investigation. Right. That's the other part. That's the other part of this that seems like uh, poorly thought out, right? Because it seems like I could see where someone thinks, okay, we fire that asshole and we can put our own guy in place and we're in good shape. But to put your own guy in place, you have to have Senate confirmation. And this is where the partisanship matters again, right? Yeah. Because if you can get all Republicans to support whoever he puts up there, it's good. But you're likely to have lots of Senate pressure basically to confirm someone who is going to be independent or, uh, you know, who insists the Senate can't insist on a special prosecutor. But what they can do is hold up any sort of uh, new appointment to the FBI unless a special prosecutor is appointed or whatever. And so that that's where it will come into place. The list of names. I mean, some of them that I saw on the list were, you know, people that you wouldn't necessarily have heard of, you know, career prosecutors or, or whatnot. But um, what the ones that were on the list that made me uh, cringe a little bit were Trey Gowdy, the, the guy, the head mm -hmm. of the Benghazi commission, right? Oh boy. Uh, that guy's solid. <laughs> right? Who I guess has a history as a federal prosecutor and whatnot, but like any sense of like, uh, you know, an unbiased sort of nonpartisan approach to law enforcement is right, going to be. Right. Um, but again, right, if you if he nominates him and you get the Republicans to all line up behind him, then it won't matter. I, I Even on the way here, it was pretty apparent from the reports that a lot of the Republicans are already saying they're not just going to rubber stamp any sort of nominee. So I, I don't think it's going to be that easy, despite the fact that they just need a simple majority. Uh, it, I, it's not going to be that yeah. easy. It'll, see, what, what will be interesting, I saw somebody described the John McCain approach to all of this as wag your finger and nod your head, right? Which is that, like, McCain, like, mm. it's sort of like the, totally the Lindsey Graham, him. too. Like, tut, you know, tut, tut, like, this is all wrong and this is bad, but vote for everything that comes forward yeah. from the Trump administration. So it'll be a question to see whether or not those words turn into action. Yeah. The, the other names that were mentioned were uh, Chris Christie... <laughs> Oh, and he's, uh, he's got time. Ru and Rudy Giuliani. Oh, yeah, no. Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, he, he can't do that. I mean, it would be it would reek of yeah. you know just oh, that. Yeah, he's... but you say he can't do that. But what in the last four months of the Trump administration leads you to believe that he can't? <laughs> right, right. Right. Like what? Yeah. Like <laughs> why do you gotta go there, man? You're ruining my bus. <laughs> I, I think in the grand history of politics, yes, the default answer is you can't do that. Like that would be so transparent that it would never work. But I don't see anything in the last four months that tells me that he couldn't get away with it. And certainly, why not try, right? He actually watched uh, A Few Good Men last night. He's actually going to nominate <laughs> yes. Tom Cruise. Yes. Uh, Chris Christie, that confirmation hearing would be fantastic, oh, right? Because you know, as soon as he'd get into office, he'd say, like, this Russia thing, there's nothing there. I'm going to close the investigation. Yeah. Good Lord, I would take Chris Christie over Rudy Giuliani, though. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani <laughs> is like... Uh. 
Oh. Um, All right, where do we go from here? Can we talk a little bit more about the the Russia meeting today? I mean, sure. we kind of yeah. danced around it. So, not 24 hours after all of this shit went down, Trump then meets with uh, Lavrov, and then also... Is it Kislyak, correct? Is yeah, that was how you Kislyak it? there? Yep, Kislyak yeah. was there, yep. Who was not supposed to be in attendance, as far as I know. Um, and this was the whole issue with... Russian spying and interference with elections. Oh, he meets with everybody. Things yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, Russian media uh, was reporting <laughs> on it, and U.S. media outlets were banned from the actual meeting. Yeah. So picture what photos the have fuck, come out. Dude, of- I can't even wrap my head around that. <laughs> yeah. Right. The free. Well, no, see, press- I. I kind of. It's like I go, go back and forth between thinking like that. <laughs> you know why he did it, obviously, but. Like, I, but did, did he do it? Like, this is the thing, though. Did he do it because he has such, like, animosity with the American media and he dislikes them and thinks they're, you know, biased? Or did he do it because he actually thought that by banning American media, photos of this wouldn't get out to the American public? No, I think he thought that uh, he's, all right, he's dumb. But he's not dumb enough to not know if I have news outlets in here, there's no possible way they're not going to ask me about what went on in the past 24 hours. That's the only thing they're going to care about. That makes sense. So, so, so he didn't want to do that, because Lavrov and, and Tillerson did their photo op. Right. So so you're right, maybe he wanted to avoid that. But even that is... T- it's horrible. Kis- so Kislyak was there. He That's, was there. Oh, yeah. Oh. And, and they had pictures that the Russian media released. But this is the problem, right? When you don't let the American media in, the only narrative you get is the Russian narrative. So the photos that the Russians released are like the three of them like laughing and looking all chummy and oh, having yeah. this great time. And I've already seen like people who have put the pictures of like Trump and Kislyak like chumming it up next to the pictures of like... Trump and Merkel looking like pissed at each other, right? And this is where, like, like as much as you might hate the American media, right? Like, excluding them doesn't help you control the narrative. It actually, like, it's just it, gonna it, piss them off. It limits your ability to control the narrative, right? right. It just de- de- delays what's going to happen. Those right. those pictures will be in the U.S. media tonight, right? Yeah. That, yeah. And the other part of the story is that it's not just that Trump fired the FBI director yesterday and the first, like, meeting he has is with the Russian ambassador, (laughs) which is bad precedent of itself. But a number of people have also pointed out that this follows on the heels of what has been widely acknowledged and accepted as a massive attack on the French elections by the Russians, right? right? So a major NATO ally, one of America's strongest allies, was also attacked in the same way that our elections were attacked or whatever, um, this weekend, and like we're just chumming it up with the Russians. No comment on it. No criticism. No like condemnation of Russian interference in French elections. Just like let's act like nothing happened. Phil, that was a fantastic transition into the French elections. <laughs> awesome, that was man. it was really well. Really well. Yeah. Done. So, <laughs> so for those for our listeners who may not have paid attention to the French elections on Sunday, Emmanuel Macron, uh, the uh, left of center Macron. pro Macron. Pro-free pro trade, pro-globalization, beat the uh, nationalist, xenophobic Marine Le Pen. Uh, you know, it was a big defeat for this populist wave that had been spreading around the world. Uh, but, Phil, before the podcast, you were talking about the fact that of the, this hack and how the Macron campaign handled that. You should share that with the listeners. Yeah, this was sort of brilliant. A, a story came out this week that... Uh, um, so the, the hack, the the attack on on the Macron campaign was smart and savvy and coordinated and all of this stuff. I mean, they 
they had the Russians had Russians the assumed Russians had hacked all of these uh, the Macron campaign emails similar to what happened with Podesta and whatnot with the Clinton campaign. Um, and they released them. And the reason they released them when they did, they released them on Friday night, because in France, in what seems to me a highly civilized thing to do, yes. the last 24 hours of an election, there can be no communication from either campaign. God, you can't nice. you can't run ads. You can't make public statements. You can't have press conference. It's total silence for the last 24 hours of the campaign. The the release of these documents, of all of these documents that were hacked from the Macron campaign, was dropped like 30 minutes before that deadline. Yeah. So the Macron campaign had a chance to basically, in, in the like last minutes, issue a press statement saying um, some of these uh, some of the information in this WikiLeaks dump is false. And that was basically all they could release. And that went out. Um, and then total silence. And it turns out that they were able to do that because they knew or they they suspected they were, um, I think I think they knew that there were hacking attacks or attempts that had been made on their campaign. And so proactively, they created all of these false email accounts and false documents and put them out there so that when they got hacked, the hackers were not just stealing the authentic documents, but were stealing all of this bullshit too, yes. which is brilliant. It really so, is. So when the, all of this is released, they can authoritatively say some of this is false and it sort of undermines the legitimacy of the whole leak because you don't know which one of them are accurate and which one of them are, are, are fake. And it, it was, it's, it's brilliant. Like it was really a smart strategy. I, I was impressed by that. I thought it was really cool. You don't say that much about the French. So yeah, they did, they did pretty well with that. France is holding this over our head for a while, right? Because you know, the, the, you know, the Brits with Brexit and then we get Donald Trump and then France says like, no, we're not falling into that trap. You know what I mean? It's... Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I am, I'm not, a huge fan of, of the EU, uh, but I'm also not a huge fan of xenophobia, know, xenophobia and, and banning all immigrants and, you know, telling people to get the fuck out. Um, it, like, you, you know why this happened. Mm -hmm. it, it was clearly the lesser of two evils, and I, 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 I think that as much as, as much strife as there's, there has been with Brexit, I think it was handled relatively well and it's it's it was a legitimate decision by the british people and they're going along with that um just being too scared to have a different option other than being completely intertwined with the eu i don't think is a great policy the fact that you had le pen there you know you you had to do that but they're yeah. championing this as you know, a win for globalization and, you know, common currency and, you know, open borders and, and just, um, and, and immigration especially. It's, I don't know, it, it, as much as I agree with the decision that was made, it put a bad taste in my mouth. Well, and there was something that came out today that said that nearing like 50% of voters were not necessarily voting for Macron, but they were voting against Le Pen. Right. That, that says something. Right. Which... Which is not unusual in a French runoff. Like that, that's oftentimes the case. And, and I mean, not quite that high, mm -hmm. but oftentimes the French talk about like in the first round they select and in the second round they eliminate, right? And right. so yeah. it comes down to like in the second round, oftentimes it's, it is the lesser of two evils. And so, um, yeah, that makes it. Now, I, I think there, there is, uh, there's kind of two ways to go with the results of the French election, one of which is which has happened lots of patting on the back right that that macron won essentially two to one right like in a 
in what would by American standards be a landslide victory, right? 60, 60, 66 to 34. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, massive, like, like that's a big gap now. Um, and so, yeah, to, on one side, that is like this victory of like main, like not mainstream, but like sane politics in some way or more mainstream politics I think so, yeah. or a rejection of the sort of xenophobic far right. Yes. But what that story is missing to some extent, I think, is the fact that that Marine Le Pen got a third of the vote. Right. Yes. Like that's yeah, that's significant. So her dad made a runoff in 2002, Two. 2002. Yeah, um, he got 18%. And so he got basically 18% in the first round. And in the second round, he got 18%. Right. He didn't yeah. pick up any other votes. Um, and the fact that Marine Le Pen got 34%, like she lost badly, but it's telling that a third of the French people think that the message that she's putting out there is the way forward, right? Like right. that, it, the people would be wrong to sort of again dismiss the sort of far right as as you know defeated because of this. No, had she softened her tone earlier than she did, or if it was just another person that had you know obviously not nearly as much of a, a far right standpoint or viewpoint, I, I, that could have been neck and neck that could have been extremely close no it's it's it's, a, it's an interesting finding because one thing so there's so when brexit happens and then when trump happens there's an overreaction right so you get these two data points and you think like oh populism is on the march it's right. gonna it's gonna take over everybody and that was an overreaction because we saw it hit a speed bump in france but it's so populism isn't inevitable but it also is going to be around for a while right this is this was a big deal that they got this again big of a it's chunk. just gonna piss them off you're right right <laughs> And, and so when you look at, you know, the, where the French electorate is, there's a lot on the far right, but there's also a lot on the far right that are attacking free market and anti-EU and all of that. So, so Macron is going to have to govern a really complex and difficult situation. Which he's not really going to be able to do because he has no power in yeah. the French government. It's, 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 it's going to be messy. It's himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that he lacks a party will be really interesting. The right. French president is typically, I mean, is incredibly powerful, has tremendous um, powers when his party controls the parliament. Right. But when the party, when his party doesn't control parliament, he's much, much more limited. And in this case, it's not just that his party doesn't control parliament. He doesn't have a party. Basically. Right. He has a website. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the coming because years. Legislative elections are coming up in France. And so his party, like on the March will for the first time be in those. And so does he get a majority or do they divide up where, like you said, it's divided government. And then he'll follow the the path of Hollande, you know, the current president who's we wouldn't even run for election re-election because he was so unpopular. unpopular. Yeah. Did you speaking of of Le Pen and her father who who was in the presidential run? I don't I there was I saw a quote from him in which he referred to his daughter as like a total disgrace and failure after this election. Did you see that? No. Like, really? What a terrible family. Not not that anyone is under the like the false impression that they're like loving. They're not the type of family that you get hugs from when you walk in the door, but no. still like yes. Wow, that's harsh. That's surprising. Yeah, cuz they they had in the campaign they had been she cause, well she kicked him out of the party. Right. So maybe this is a way of you know sticking back because, sticking it because he hates Jews, and she realizes that the real problem is Muslims. Right, that's obviously. right. That's her big divide in that family. Oh, <laughs> oh, those conversations over dinner. Yeah, must be fun. All right, so we've done Comey, we've done France. What's next, Barker? Uh, what are we doing on time? Should we talk beer, or should we keep uh, talking? Yeah, we can talk about beer. Yeah, about all right. In. You want to start, Phil? Sure. 
So my first beer tonight was a uh, um, Brooklyn, Brooklyn is the brewery, Brooklyn Brewery, uh, a Brooklyn Summer Ale. Uh, and it was nice. It was it was good. Uh, I mean, it was a light beer. It, I, it would be great after you had like mowed the grass and you were hot. It's it was I don't know maybe a little sweeter than I like, but it wasn't. It was great. It was it was it wasn't great. It was good. You're pretty sweet. I know. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> the second beer I had was a Rising Tide Brewing Company, which where are they from? Maine, from Portland, Maine. Uh, they're American. They're Daymark American Pale Ale, and that one was was really good. I like that one. Uh, a lot better it was again i'm kind of I've, I've been enjoying the american pale ales it's like the ipa the hoppiness but it's not quite as strong yeah. it's it's yeah. good agreed so nick and i we, we got some bombers this week and and we split two bombers Ooh. should i should i describe the first one you describe the second Ooh, okay <laughs> so the, the first beer we had was from buckle down brewery which is we've had some beers from them before uh that's in lions illinois wonderful brewery really like them and we had a Belt and Suspenders IPA with grapefruit added. Pretty delicious. I, I thought it was. I yeah. thought it was really good. Yeah. Really um, uh, kind of nice and, and florally and fruity, obviously. Yeah. Um, but with that like IPA hoppiness that you like. Yeah, not overly hoppy, though. Right. Again, which uh, is fantastic. Yeah, good beer. Uh, second one we had was um, the Charlatan uh, American Pale Ale. Great name. <laughs> it's pretty good. From Maplewood. Uh, brewing company that's in Chicago on Maplewood Avenue. Um, it, it was okay. I, I, I didn't. Um, I, I wasn't in love with it, to be perfectly honest. It was. Uh, it's definitely a little bit heavier than uh, than the first. Um, not as um, kind of. Uh, what's the best word? It's more of a, a kind of a caramely earthy tone yes yeah i would say that fruity thing yeah Um, right the caramel was yeah so it was a good beer it was drinkable but not not i I don't think it was good as the the first one we had it just didn't stand out for me it didn't do it for me yeah just didn't do it now surprisingly i cracked a third beer um (laughs) so which is uh from uh the milwaukee ale house mke brewing up in wisconsin and this was a outboard cream ale Mm. and this is it's different i mean it is hmm is it creamy? It is creamy. Here, Nick, try this. Tell me, it tastes creamy, doesn't it? It is. Um, it's. It's not. It's kind of light, but no, you don't like it. No. Yeah. It's like um, liquid whipped cream. Well, that's the cream. <laughs> liquid yeah. whipped cream. Yeah. So. Wow. It's. It's a. It would be a nice after dinner, you know, drink with maybe some chocolate. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like would, uh, a little coffee creamer. Cups. Yes. If you like coffee creamer, <laughs> enjoy this beer. So. <laughs> I'm out. Oh. Um, where the hell do we go from here? Barker, you had a list of stuff. Pick, pick your best topic on the list. I, I don't know if it's the best topic, but should we? I, I can we talk a little bit about? Uh, well, I don't know. It seems like there's so many big things like healthcare that we should talk about, but I kind of want to talk about about Barack Obama's taking four hundred million dollars to give a speech to Wall Street and whether this is shameful or whether this is, you know, healthy red blooded American act, you know, behavior. Four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand. Four hundred million. Did I say four hundred thousand? <laughs> you said four hundred million. Four hundred million. Oh, four hundred thousand. Yes. Yes. Not four hundred million. <laughs> No, four hundred thousand dollars. Yes, I love to forty bajillion dollars. Four hundred thousand, four hundred million. I'm never going to see either one in my life. They're both big numbers. We should have just run with that. Our listeners would have been up in arms. This is terrible. Yeah. So, and where was the? I don't even know where the speech was. It was. 
it was it was to Wall it was to a Wall Street firm. I forget which one. It was one of the ones that uh, God, it was one of the ones who had lost a number of people in the September 11th attacks. They were like right down um, in the World Trade Center. God, I don't remember, but it was a Wall Street firm basically. And nobody have, nobody from his group has come out to defend this at all. It kind of happened the, the data released, and he just sort of let it go. And, and the critiques have come largely from the left, right? People yeah. who have been, who have said, you know, how dare you after all he's done, all his criticism of sort of Wall Street and overpaid executives and all of this, that this is sort of, you know, shameful of of him and other people who have basically, other people on the, the debate, it seems to me, has largely been on the left. Yes. Other people on the left who basically have said he sp spent eight years of his life putting in public service, right? Like, um getting paid less than he could have otherwise like this is part of what you know you this is part of the reward of public mind? service he get more more than that out of a fucking book deal it's... so he did and that's the other part of the other criticism he just signed a book deal yeah for 65 million dollars so right. the question yeah, is like what um you know how much money do you need right like should he be making a stand on principle or is it just that like if somebody wants to give you money like take it like he, he has every right to this money he should give it all to orphans that's what he should do obviously yeah give it back to his kenyan family and it's a, it's a well okay here's the question is it is it hypocritical to go after him and not go after everybody else who does this like this is common practice like the clintons get oh yeah hundreds of thousands i, I mean i don't know if george w bush is giving speeches but you know they make lots of money doing this and yep. You're right. I mean, he deserves to be comfortable and leave his family comfortable for years and years. But, um, but he just signed a $65 million book deal, right? It's like, it's disgusting. not like he needs that 400000 to be comfortable. Right. You know, we, I, I, did, I had an edited book go out last year, and my royalty check this year was $18. Nice. <laughs> you know? <laughs> $18. I, I did. I wrote a book years ago, and when it was done, I had the option of either doing the index myself or having the publisher pay someone to do the index. And the, if I had the publisher pay someone, they were going to charge me seven, basically take seven hundred dollars off the, my royalties, my first seven hundred dollars of royalties. I still haven't made up the seven hundred dollars. I kind of remember me. I think I advised you that said like, "Oh, you don't want to write an index." <laughs> yes. I, I I mean. Yeah, I, I personally think at that level of public service, it's not about public service. It's about what you're going to get after the public service is over. And I do think that he, as much as I disliked his policies, I think he did, he had a moral compass about it, his own moral compass, that he thought he was doing the right thing and wanted to do right by the country and, and do what was best for the American people, again, in hey. his particular Des perspective deserves 65 million right obviously <laughs> but at the same time if you're in that if, whether you're a senator or someone in in a high level government a government position you're there because you know you can parlay that into something else down the road the fact that we have to have legislation to keep people from lobbying for yeah. whatever it is five years or so um after their time in government I, I think it seems pretty obvious. And I would be saying this about any Republican or any, obviously, other Democrat yeah. as well. Yeah. I'm not as, I'm not quite as cynical as you because oh, I, I think up, that... Phil. I think... <laughs> well, no, I think that, like, I, 
certainly part of the appeal of being president is that you are like you're made for life, right? Like this is one of the appeal. I think it's possible to want to be president because you think you can do good things, and also like you get sixty-five million dollar book deals when you're done. <laughs> right. Like I don't think that people do it just because of the sixty-five million. No, I don't think so either. But I think they know that that's an element of it that's going sure. to come along with it's a it. nice, pretty bird. much guaranteed. Yeah. Now I so I I've kind of wrestled with this, but I, I feel like I have maybe a little bit less of a problem with the $65 million book deal. Yeah. Because that's like, you know, the, uh, this book is going out, you're putting these ideas out there, they're gonna sell a whole bunch of them. It's like available to the everyman in some ways. Whereas like giving a speech to Wall Street for $400,000 seems in some ways more hypocritical, right? Because he's he's been critical of Wall Street and been a And beyond that, one of the other criticisms is that as like the most prominent Democrat in the country, Right. Like he's he is sort of after Hillary Clinton's defeat, like he's sort of the representative of the Democratic Party to do this after like all of the criticism of Hillary Clinton and the Democrats, basically criticism of the of the of ties to Wall Street, all this other stuff. Like it's just it's like, again, poor PR. Right. Yeah, this is right. not a smart thing to do, no. especially when you don't need the four hundred thousand dollars. Are people just losing their ability to give a shit about what they look like when they do this? Or, or, or does it happen so often that you don't think about it? Is he giving multiple speeches? Are all politicians doing this where this is common practice and normally it's like kept under the table and this one just happened to leak out? No, I think they're all just lying pieces of shit. But yeah. Yes, you know. And, 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 yeah. Hi, nice yeah, say I, that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's in the context of all the criticism over Hillary Clinton's speeches, right, where she didn't release them and all of that other stuff in the in the election that for Obama to come out and do this right afterwards is it's it's bad. It's a bad look. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, all of the Democrats that I've seen who are defending him, who are basically saying, right, he has a right to do this. It's you know, he's the president's market, you know, matches his price. I, I kind of feel like you can't make those arguments if you're also going to be critical of CEO pay, yeah, right? If your yeah. argument is that you deserve whatever the market pays you, then uh, you can't be critical when a CEO makes, you know, $100 million a year, right. and then say that Barack Obama deserves to take $400,000 for a speech because that's what the market gives him, right? Like if you're gonna say that this is outrageous and no man's time is worth that much money, right? Yeah. Like then an hour of Barack Obama's time shouldn't be worth $400,000 either, right? Like, like no, you can't have it both ways. No speech is worth that much money. I don't care what kind of brilliance or knowledge you're dropping. Uh, yeah. Go donate that money to the area on the south side where you're putting your life. Well, that's right. that's right. Yeah. I, I'm guessing Obama does donate a huge chunk of his income. But still, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we have time to talk a little Dickerson? Yeah. Yeah, the inter- Phil, you, we were talking about this before the, before the podcast that you were curious about all this. Do you want to you want to start us off? Uh sure. The other thing, the other part, I don't know, the other little news story that I thought was bizarre and hilarious, I think, was the the um the John Dickerson interview. It was about a week ago. Yeah. I'm trying yeah. I'm trying to remember the context of it. But so John Dickerson, host of Face the Nation. So I guess it was a week and a half ago. It was it came out it was the Face the Nation from a week and a half ago. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be Sunday, um, right? Yeah. And it, so John Dickerson does this interview with with Trump. And in the process of the interview, he was pushing him on uh, Trump's claims that Obama had wiretapped him yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, Obama not Obama, Trump totally like refused to take a stance on it. Like basically was, you know, you'll have to, uh, 
he, he like refused to sort of back up any, not even back up the claims. He refused to even say that he had made those claims. Well, and basically. He, he was asked, and I will say to Dickerson's credit, he was really trying to say like, make the case for your position. It Dickerson like, did a great job. Yeah. And he said, you said this, do you stand by what you said? Yeah. And Trump says, I don't stand by anything. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That was a quote. Yes. yes. And you're like, wait, and wait, then, you said this. And then, <laughs> and so I don't know how to respond to that. Right. Mic drop. Yeah. Dickerson keeps pushing him on it. Mm-hmm. And eventually Trump gets so frustrated that he basically says, we're done. I don't yes. remember if that was the actual quote, but something along the lines of we're yeah, done. This is over or whatever. Yeah. The interview, interview is taking place in the Oval Office. Trump says, we're done. And then walks like five feet to his desk with Dickerson still in the room and sits down and starts shuffling these papers. It was one of the most awkward and bizarre like yes, things yes. I've seen on camera in a long time. It was it was really strange. And then this led to Colbert uh-huh, on the yeah, evening, you know, on his program. 12-minute rant. Right, right. This rant that he went after and he said, I need to defend my CBS guy. And, and in some ways for late-night television went out there and yeah. uh, which also led to a backlash, you know, in terms of people upset. So, yeah, it was he, yeah. So he he Trump. So so Colbert basically because because Trump in the interview said to Dickerson, host of Face the Nation, some he made some reference to Dickerson's show Deface the Nation. <laughs> That's right. right. Like, total like total fifth grade insult, but an insult nonetheless. Right. Like he's just he's not being professional about this at all. Yes. So Colbert basically takes that up. And in, a, in his like basically his bit is I'm going to defend um, my friend John Dickerson. Yeah. And he went on a rant of insults against Trump. The one that caught the most attention was was uh, one in which he. I don't remember the exact terminology, but implied that one of the things that Trump was best at (laughs) was, was, I'm trying to figure out that. Do it. Okay. You want to say it? Sucking Putin's dick. No, no, no. No, it was was better than that. uh, (laughs) Did you know? Yeah, I know. Okay, go. (laughs) I I forgot the setup, but I know the punchline real well. It was Putin, yeah. Yeah, that uh, Trump was... um, See, best at being yeah you got it right th- yeah you, you just don't want to say it. <laughs> i just googled it um <laughs> top one no that's not it that's yeah not, no, that's the not how we said it no use it as well no that trump's mouth was best used as uh putin's cock holster that's right that's yeah. right yeah mm-hmm. it's out there now yeah 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 I'm glad I had to do that. Which led to to backlash from a variety of angles. Certainly, I think some conservatives were upset, but some, like, there was a lot of pushback from liberals who were claiming that this was homophobic and all sorts of other stuff, right? Yeah, there's no suspension, there's no firing, there's nothing like that. And I'm, I, as much as I don't agree with most of the things that conservative media says when it comes to other media outlets, if that had been a conservative uh, news anchor or or yeah. comedian or some sort of celebrity who said that, and this was the Clinton administration, there would be fucking bedlam. The streets would be on fire and they would be calling for their immediate you, termination. I, that's, I, that's a good question. I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. But now, as somebody who... So is Nick, who likes to, to push, right? And doesn't want comedy to have limits. Yeah. So wouldn't you say this was a a fair critique or 
Oh, like realistically, I think anybody should be able to make that comment. In a, but it should go both ways. So the it idea should is, absolutely go yeah, both yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I have no. I, yeah, I don't have a problem with the comment. The fact no. that it would be it's a double standard right. if, if somebody said that about Obama. I'm really not or, even yeah. that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really the the double standard mm-hmm. more than anything that I'm not happy I, about. I like Colbert's response. So like the next night or the night after, I don't know if you saw that part. He went on and basically said. Uh, I'm not going to apologize that I have jokes and he has nuclear codes, right? Like right. Trump's going to yes. going to yes. be okay. He's going to he's going to he's going to handle himself okay. I'm not going to feel bad about saying harsh things about him. That's fine, <laughs> but I mean, realistically, like it, it, again, it's it's a double standard. The first thing that happens when any sort of you know supposed racist or sexist or homophobic comment comes up on any sort of conservative outlet or some sort of conservative um, correspondent or pundit, they immediately have to apologize. The first thing that they uh, get dinged on is they need to apologize for whatever they did. And the fact, and whenever they say they don't apologize, well, they're homophobic Nazi pieces of shit who clearly don't care about women or immigration or or anything. It's ridiculous. For whatever reason, the, the example, the counter example I think of is the, God, what's his name? The guy who worked for Bill O'Reilly, who did the Chinatown oh, bit. Do you remember that sketch? Yes, yes. Which was, in my mind, pretty blatantly racist, right? Yes. Like it was, and it wasn't very funny. <laughs> but right. you're, you're right, Nick. Like there was like outrage and, you know, people crying out for, and, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting debate that's going on right now about free speech and to what extent is, is, yeah, is it okay to say offensive and or disagreeable and or potentially wrong things, right? And to what extent has Trump brought this on himself by changing the Oval Office, right? He is, he is, he's not presidential in the way that previous presidents have been. So does that open the door to now comedians going after him in a different way? I, I And we talked about this when we talked about comedy initially. It's yeah. getting to the point where it's oversaturated. Sure. Whenever you hear about a, uh, a comedian or late night host, it's always about some sort of Trump bit or, or rant that they did yeah. the previous night. The fact that you can't come up with anything else in this situation, like we all know, there's a ton of shit that you can right. talk about. But you're a comedian. Like, it, it's but, salient and, and whatever, but, like, let's, let's vary it. Let's vary it a little bit. But what else is, I mean, I, I understand your point, but, like, in, in this state, like, in this context, like, like, can you blame them? Like, what else is there to make jokes about, right? Like, the, this is the elephant in the room, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I, yeah, no, no, it, I agree. Because you can't go after, I mean, I mean, Chuck Schumer, like, that, that that's not funny. You know, you got to go after it's Trump. kind of funny. It, 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 it might be, but not to the same degree. Like, Saturday Night Live this week will probably be good, right? Because, you know, there's new material. But why is it, like, really? Like, is it is it good because the material is good, or is it good because, oh, my God, that happened during the week and it was crazy? Well, or because Trump, yeah. Trump gives the comedians these gifts. Um I don't know. I mean, when I compare, like, Jimmy Fallon, who's been sort of fluffy in terms of his treatment of, of Trump, and then I think Colbert, like, I, I have more respect for Col- Colbert because he's taken a stand, right? It's and not I, hard for them to take that stand, though. No, but but for, for that, for the late night show, it sort of is, right? Because they're, you know, they have to worry about alienating listeners, and the fact that Colbert 
I mean, you're, like talking about, C- you're talking about CBS and broadcast television. Yeah. And right. most of the media is going to go along with that. Who are they going to alienate by doing that? But Jay Leno. CBS, like, the average CBS viewer is like 75 years old. <laughs> well, they're not going to hear it anyways. Wait. But the people who are watching it that can hear it are not going to disagree <laughs> with it. They just keep it on to have another voice in the house. Phil, Phil I love CBS. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of watch CSI Miami right before That's that. Right. No, I, and what really bugs me more than anything is that it, it extends beyond comedy, this double standard thing. Betsy DeVos was uh, doing a commencement address at a historically uh, black university. Was it today or yesterday? Something yeah, like that. Absolutely, yeah. Bethune, Bethune-Cookman, yep. yeah. Yes, and she was pretty much booed off the stage. Uh, half the student body turned their backs on her to the point where the president of the university had to come out and reprimand them. Meanwhile, we have other universities that are willing to have, when did they have Aquadinajad in to talk? What university was that? Oh, I've hung out with that dude a couple times. Yeah, yeah. all right. <laughs> We're talking about you. We know you have your issues. But I, so, the, let, let, <clears throat> Sorry. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Let, no. Let's talk about the Bethune-Cookman thing, because yeah. I, I think it's a kind of interesting, because I, I'm sort of torn on this, right? So I am so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they have they have uh, Betsy DeVos come as their commencement speaker, which first of all is a strange choice, right? Right. right. Agreed. So, and and so, I, Donald Trump last week, five days ago, basically signs an executive order and, and or or a statement basically saying I don't remember all the details, uh, basically saying that they're going to uphold. Uh, policies on non-discrimination and non-preference, you know, racial and gender preferences in law, and that's important to them. And he points to historically black colleges as an example of something that's, for instance, benefiting from this. So basically implies, doesn't flat out say that, you know, historically black colleges are racist, but implies that they're benefiting unfairly from, you know, policies. So so then his his education secretary goes and gives a speech. And so I I'm I'm sort of torn because I, I, I agree. Like there's part of me that I, I like the idea that you have diverse opinions, you know, <clears throat> shared at college. Like I th- I believe in free speech and diverse ideas and that you should have these ideas at colleges. But I also believe in the right to sort of to protest, right? And so and, and they seem like they protested in a way that compared to like Berkeley riots and whatnot, right? Like they turned their backs and they booed and well, stuff like that. So it's a low bar, you, but a yeah. low bar, Phil. Right, but but they weren't they weren't violent. They no, weren't like trying to prevent her from coming to the stage. They were turning right. their backs. They were booing. She was able to continue giving her speech. So yeah. it's not respectful, right? But but I think there. So I, this is where I'm kind of torn between like, yeah, she should have a right to speak. They should have a right to protest. I don't I don't know how to. I don't know. I don't. This, I, is, this I, is the free market of speech right and so <laughs> if, if, yeah, if students if students for their graduation don't want to hear a speaker they've spent thousands of dollars for a speaker if they want to stand and cause a, a commotion that's their right and, and and so she should think about the potential if i go to this place this might happen i'm okay with this now if there's any violence that's that's a totally different thing okay. but well I, but what what about so to, to what about like I mean is that that's not a standard that you would necessarily apply to professors though right like col- if college students don't want to hear this or they don't agree with their professor right. they have the right to like just say I'm paying my money and you give me what I want to hear like you wouldn't necessarily agree with that though not in my class of course not <laughs> beat the shit out of <laughs> well I think it's it's a different that's that's a great question I, mm, I'm, think hard on that one I'm providing a service Barker. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
<laughs> I think that there are outlets. There are there are places where speech is more useful than others, right? So if you're if if somebody comes in to get a tutorial on your computer, if you throw a protest in that moment, like that's not really. I mean, that's not the right place for it. But a commencement address is one of those venues where you could do that. Well, all right. So what about in the situation, say in Berkeley or New York, where? college republicans have paid for and organized uh a speech by whatever ann coulter or milo or one of those other figures and that doesn't get to happen one because there are violent protests and two because the administration of the college is trying to shut it down yeah surreptitiously yeah no it i yeah I've kind of come around to your side on this, Nick. Like, so that is the sort Yay! of thing where, yeah, yeah, no, I think, I think that, uh, yeah, that there, then that's an important difference because when Ann Coulter comes to your campus, you're not forced to go, right? right? Like, and the graduation speech, I could see where they're like, this is my graduation, this is my right. one chance, and you've brought in someone that I totally disagree with and who believes that we are racist in by going yeah. to a historically black college. So in in some way, you know. And that's where, like, I, I think when Ann Coulter comes to campus, students should have the right to protest, right? They should be able to stand out front of the building with their signs and protest. But yeah. yes, they should let they should let them speak, right? right? And and the best way to deal with those bad ideas is to engage and challenge them, right? Not right. to shut them down. Yeah, I agree with all of those points. And, and there and there's no way. I think that's where I I wrestle with the Bethune Cookman thing is because a commencement speech is not a speech where you have a chance to engage and challenge, right? It's, right. it's a, a captive audience in which you're, you know, you're being told if you want your diploma, you have to come listen to this person mm. that you fundamentally disagree with. Now, well, even, even some, during the presentation, the president said, if you, if you continue this and don't want to be here, we'll mail your, your diploma to you. Right. Oh, fine. Okay. Get up and, and fucking leave. All right. In some ways, that would have been an interesting protest if no students had shown up right. to their own graduation. That I would have, have been like that. a powerful protest. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I get what both both of you are saying. I I will say though, in this circumstance, that protest was important speech, right? Yeah. I mean, so you know, the fact I, I think that in, in some ways, what was done at that experience or that that speech with that event was more significant than anything that she would have said. I mean, that speech would have been terrible. It would have been boring. Nobody would be talking about it. But the fact that the the students pushed back is a more significant reflection on the Trump administration, the understanding of race, than anything that she would have said. All right. And years from now, people are not going to be like, oh, Betsy Ross said some great stuff at a... No! Betsy Ross? Betsy Ross Ross gave a speech? I would go to that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Betsy DeVos. (laughs) Um, oh. No, I, I, what, what, <laughs> oh my God, I completely uh, derailed everything. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. No, I, what, uh, what Betsy would, Ross? But, yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Bill. Um, I'm three beers in. I can't be held uh, accountable. Um, what bugs me more than anything is that not necessarily the fact that they they protested, but and I clearly understand that she was definitely not the right person to bring in for a situation like that. But the fact that you're going to have such a, a, um, not excessive, yeah. but a, a very, um, what's the best word for it? Um, rambunctious oh, response, yeah, that's a good word. let's yeah. say, uh, to her when realistically, like you said, her speech was probably going to be boring and yeah. innocuous and whatever. She's going right. to just kind of straddle the line there. And you have another university, and I 
really wish I would have come in here with more research. That'll have Aquadinajad come in, someone who has said that there are no gay people in yeah. Iran, and I'm and hunts them down in droves from the reports that we get, and suppresses the civil um, yeah. liberties of his own people. But that's okay. No, they, they should because that's somehow no, no, I, I... more tolerable. No, than no I don't someone think that's who's fair, a though. billionaire that you know is part of an administration that you don't like. I think people should so, protest Ahmadinejad as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I think oh, I agree. this is like, you can't put rules on speech, right? It's it, it's going to be chaotic. It's going to be ugly, and and that's just that's the reality. If you're going to allow open discourse, as far as I and, know, and I, Betsy DeVos has never hunted down a gay person, or Betsy Ross, or Betsy one. Ross. <laughs> Although I, I we think don't know, she could have been. A there, bitch. We don't know. It's also, I think, it's also worth pointing out that this happens on both sides. Of course, as mm-hmm. well. Like, so when Bill and I were in grad school at Colorado, there was a guy that worked with us. Uh, we didn't work with us, but you, he was you like next to What? What was that guy's name? I don't um, remember. Uh, uh, anyway. Uh, it was shortly after September 11th, and he like basically had this very prominent article in which he said America deserved it, and he got like yeah. he was. But he was he was fired, right? Yeah, he right. was he was he was he already had tenure. He was fired. There were charges that were brought up based on plagiarism and whatnot. But it was pretty clear that he was fired because he was saying, oh, yeah. like deeply, you know, like what were offensive things, and there was widespread backlash. So yeah. it happens both ways, right? But Absolutely. that's that's you're right. That, that to say that we tolerate free speech and an exchange of ideas is difficult, and it means we have to listen to people we don't agree with. Now that's where the Bethune Cookman thing. Maybe the proper protest would have been to turn around, turn your back, right? But you're not like interrupting the speech, then, right? You're like expressing your your you know I don't like this, I don't agree with this, right. but you're not you're not going to prevent other people who want to hear what she has to say from from hearing it. Maybe yeah. it's Ward Churchill. Ward Churchill, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, and, and that's that's a really good point. It, it depends on the the climate of the nation at the time, and obviously around 9/11, if you said anything against the United States, you were probably going to get strung up, but we just happen to be in a time where it's the polar opposite of that. Um, and it seems, at least from my perspective, that the um, ability to speak from a conservative perspective is significantly more sideline than the, op- the opposite standpoint. I think that's fair. And, we, and we've talked about I, the, where the culture is versus I, where the, the political system is. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna disagree. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, Phil, we were doing I, it so well. Yeah, we, got, we got to wrap I'm up gonna soon. I'm going to disagree in the sense of that I think in, in college campuses, that's probably true, that speaking from a conservative standpoint is not, you know, is like squashed and crit- critiqued. Yeah. I, in America as a whole, I don't oh, no, think no, that's no, yeah, the yeah, case yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, realistically, in the situations where, or or areas where you are going to, you know, have these conversations to try and, you know, educate or change people's minds or have a discussion, yep. that doesn't really happen, mm-hmm. you know, just on Main Street USA. It's happening on college campuses, right? You know, yeah, I, I would, I will agree that on college campuses, campuses there's oh, yeah. that's <laughs> budding ideas everywhere. No. Oh. Um, yeah, we're we're we probably should, we should wrap up. we're probably good. Yeah, this um, was fun. This is a good one. Yeah, um, man, I, I missed this last week, guys. This it was no fun laying on my couch while y'all were doing this. Did you did you hear when we made fun of you during I did. the podcast? I did. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts? It's gonna be an interesting week. Like, it'll be really interesting a week from now to see where the 
Comey, Russia stuff. Because by the time we talk that again next week, Comey will have testified. Um, the new assistant, the new acting FBI director will have testified. It, it's either going to be like back to sort of politics as normal or it's going to be, you know, Washington's on fire. It's going to be it's going to yeah. be fascinating. There's there's part of me that feels we should be on watch where if like something crazy happens, we like instantly podcast and we just like, all right, we're, we're going. I'm, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. Keep keep, I, keep your eyes open. What? I, I, I turned in grades on Tuesday, so I got nothing going. You, pod, <laughs> you, you, you text me at any moment and I'm ready to podcast. <laughs> That's good. Um, shameless plugs. You know, like us on Facebook and Twitter at you Facebook know. Barstool Politics, Twitter Barstool Paul, um, Barstool Politics at yahoo.com if you want to send in questions or comments. And I will say the email has been really quiet for weeks, <laughs> weeks, <laughs> weeks. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and again, we ask this a lot, but if you have beer suggestions or, or different things that we could try, um, feel free to send those into our Facebook. We always put what we uh, try during the podcast up on Facebook um, so you can see what we've tried over the past few weeks uh, you can find our episodes on SoundCloud uh, and uh, immediately afterwards on iTunes uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, review it on iTunes because that'll bump up our position um, and we would like to, to have more people see us and, and whatnot because we're lonely. Yeah, well, and if you like the podcast, share it. I mean, that's that's yeah, yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. We we keep saying that we have a loyal listenership that every week it, the numbers are very consistent. Yes, so, yeah. our, our stormtroopers, if you will. Right? No, they're they're fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks, guys. I guess we'll. We'll, we'll see who's gone next week. Cheers. Oh, we didn't even talk about how the Democrats cheer. We got to talk about that next time. Are we yes. Yeah. yeah, we'll do that. Damn. All right. Thanks, guys.